um, maybe this is just a ridiculous thing to do at you know my age so so having the having the perfect looking life on the outside i think made the made the decision and the process to take the leap even more difficult than yeah. it would be under other circumstances hello you are listening to the late bloomer living podcast it's season four, and here we are still reimagining, rethinking, and redefining what it means to be in midlife and what's possible as we age. We are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Last week, we spoke to accountant-turned-poet Bruce Whitaker about listening to your inner voice. We are continuing that theme today with my guest, Suzette Mullen. Suzette has just written her first memoir titled The Only Way Through Is Out, which is coming out this month. I've read it, and it's wonderful, truly compelling. It's a story that is very much about how hard it can actually be to listen to your inner voice when you feel like you have a lot to lose. You see, Suzette had a life that from the outside looked like everyone's dream life. Her late bloomer journey began with a professional change. You see, after years of raising her family, she decided to finally lean into her passion for writing with the intention of capturing her struggles in a memoir that was about creating a purposeful professional life. But what happened was that as she started into that memoir, the narrative shifted like sand under her feet, uncovering a profound story about an intense friendship that she had with a female friend whom she had intense feelings for. So our conversation today delves into Suzette's courageous process of coming out to herself, her family, her friends, grappling with even acknowledging to herself her attraction to women. By the way, this episode is going to be the first in a series that is leading up to Valentine's Day. Our love lives and relationships, I think, can get more complicated as we get older. So I want to talk about all things love and relationship related over the next few weeks. I can't wait for you to hear Suzette's story. But before we do, I want to talk about your life for a minute. Are you still wondering, what do I want to be when I grow up? Since you're here listening to this podcast, I'm guessing that your answer is yes in some way, shape, or form. So I think you're going to want to subscribe to Midlife Cues, which is a weekly newsletter that's all about continuing to grow and get better in the second half of our lives. It's a highly curated, well-researched newsletter about personal growth and intentional living in our middle years. It's published every Sunday. It's filled with insights, resources, tips for navigating midlife like a pro. It's written by my dear colleague and friend, Lou Blazer. 
it's a newsletter that I read faithfully every Sunday morning, and it adds so much to my life. Uh, Midlife Cues is a sponsor for this podcast, and my friend, I am picky about the sponsorships and partnerships I get into, so you can trust that I truly think that you're going to love it. You can subscribe for the newsletter at midlifecues.com. Okay, let's get into the meat of this conversation. Without further ado, here's Suzette Mullen. Suzette, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. I am so excited about our conversation. Me too. Wow. What a journey you've been on. Yes, it has been quite a journey. It was quite a journey to live it and and then to write about it and now to be on the cusp of having this book and story out into the world. It's yes, a journey is is definitely the the key word here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about, you know, we'll we'll let all that unfold. I I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, I think where with where I was going to go just then. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Like backfill us a little bit into what's brought you to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So I had a very nice life. Um, you know, I'll call it Suzette 1.0 was was a very nice life. I was married to a man. We had a long-term marriage. I had two young adult sons. I had in my view, I had struggled a bit professionally, but if you looked at my professional life on paper, you might not think that, but that was part of part of how I felt. I had been an attorney, and then I was a stay-at-home mom, and then I was kind of searching for purpose in a good chunk of my adulthood in my, in my 40s and into the very early 50s. And so my nest was was about to be empty. My youngest uh, child was about to go off to college. And my then husband and I were really very thoughtful and discerning about what we wanted the next chapter of our lives to look like. And spoiler alert, there were some surprises that we did not anticipate. Um, and the kind of the first part of the late bloomer journey for me was a professional change. So I, I I did some deep thinking about how I really wanted to spend my time professionally and in this next chapter. And I had a moment of clarity where it was very clear that I wanted to really lean into my writing and also help others with their writing. And that decision launched a professional life for me, but also ended up really changing my life personally as well. When I I began writing a memoir, and it was actually initially about my professional journey or my struggles to create a professional life that felt intentional and purposeful and aligned with who I was. And that writing process led me to a different story. So when I put a stick in the ground for my own writing, I began working on a memoir about a different subject matter, my uh, struggle to create a professional life that I felt really aligned with who I was. And in the course of writing that story, I was led to a different story, and which was about a very intense friendship I had with a female friend. 
And that is the story that I tell in my memoir, The Only Way Through Is Out. So that's sort of the the Cliff Notes version of how I how I got here. Um, uh, do you want me to talk a little more about about what came next? Or? I do, I do. <laughs> okay. Because, and I, I, what I think is incredible about your story is the courage factor, um, the courage that it took for you to come out to yourself and to family and friends um and the and and all and how you struggled with with even acknowledging for yourself your your attraction to women and in particular we you know they they they've called the midlife thing a midlife crisis right and sure. i have a whole different take on that i know that it can feel like a crisis but I think that there's this huge opportunity in midlife for each of us to delve deeper into who we are and who we've maybe always been and who we have tried to, you know, I think there's parts of us that we all, uh, you know, through whatever, for whatever reason in our lives, um, whether our parents, you know, we, we were trying to take in the lessons our parents were giving us and trying to please them in some way, you know, we, we tend to tamp down parts of ourselves as we grow up in order to be acceptable in some way, shape or form to somebody, to other people. And I think midlife is this opportunity to go, okay, wait a minute. I, I did all that. And now that's a habit. And now I think about myself habitually in these certain ways, but is, but is that true? Is that real? Yeah, I I think that what I learned, and this is why I I expect and hope that my book will resonate with readers beyond the LGBTQ plus community. I've always had two ideal readers in mind. That's what we call it in the in the biz. You you know you think about who is the who is actually going to read this book? Obviously, a subset will be people in the LGBTQ plus community, particularly women questioning or coming out later in life. And I all along, I had another ideal reader, which is really, I think, your audience primarily. It's, it was women at midlife who were longing for something more, who were asking themselves, what, what is next for me? And all of this unfolded for me really because I decided that I did want to live my next chapter differently. I didn't know what that would look like at all, but I knew that I wanted, I I had seen, you'll see, you know, I know you've read the book, Yvonne. On the first page, I talk about watching my friends step into their lives and they seem to be living very fully and they've got this glow on their face. And I knew I wanted that. I wanted that so badly, but I didn't feel like I had it and I didn't know how to get there. And really how I got there was listening to myself, you know, getting quiet, being present and listening to my inner voice. And that's what led me to first claiming the call as a writer and then claiming the call as the writer led me to some deep 
truth inside me as I was writing that was about, you know, my sexual identity. And then there was the, well, what do I do with that? You know, we discover something about ourselves that we eventually trust is true. And yet we can still choose to not act on it. Um, and I mean, in the book, there's a lot of wrestling that goes on for me about, yes. you know, first, what is really true? And then even when I can come to terms with what is true, it's still, can I do this? Do I want to do this? Can I, is it right to hurt the other people in your life? I mean, is it okay to go after your own desires? And all of those big questions. And I mean, I, I wrestled, I wrestled for many, many, many months. And the ultimate conclusion I came to was I wasn't willing to go to my grave without knowing who I was fully. And that, that sort of epiphany, that clarity was what allowed me to start moving forward into a different life. And I mean, it wasn't, as as you know, reading the book, it wasn't easy. And there were many moments where I would take a step forward and then, you know, two steps back and, and, you know, trying to think, well, maybe I could, I could make peace with the life I had because I had a, I had a very nice life. And it ultimately, I decided that I, I just wasn't willing to continue to live the way I had been living, which felt like I was not living, I wasn't living fully. I wanted to to glow. I wanted to be fully alive. Yeah. I One of the things that was in the press release for your book is the thing that says that you were raised to play it safe, which comes up a lot in the book. So I'd love to get your thoughts on, on that. And, how, you know, I think a lot of us are raised to play it safe. How do you get past that training and conditioning in order to live your best truthful life? Yeah, I mean, I when I began this journey of actually living this story, and then even when I began writing the story, I wasn't so aware of of all, making all the connections in my past about all the safe choices. And that was part, that's part of the beauty of writing memoir is you're really digging into your past and you're making connections. And I started seeing this pattern um, that went way back to childhood. And we are, you know, we're all imprinted by those beginnings and those early memories. And I share some of those in the book of when you step out a little bit, when you, you know, color outside the lines and what happens when you do that? Maybe some people grow up in families where that is celebrated and they go on to be risk takers and creatives and all the things. I mean, I, I fully believe my parents did the best they could do and they meant well and um this was their imprinting right so they were they they were just passing on what i what i had um what they had learned to me so how did i get past it um well it was it wasn't easy um i i i really learned to listen to myself and i reached out for help i had 
I had, you know, help as far as therapists and all the things, but I also found an amazing community of other women who were struggling with some of the same issues regarding identity and sexuality. And that they really became my lifeline. They they were people that were further ahead of me on the journey who I could look to see that there could be a positive outcome on the other side. And then there were people that were right in the same place as I was. And then later, when I was further along on my journey, I was able to you know, be a source of hope for the people that were just beginning their journeys. So being in, this is not a journey to, to do on your own. I don't know if there are any journeys to do on your own, but this is definitely not one. And the longer this, I live, the more I realize that, that it, yeah, the journey is not, to be on your own that that's yeah mm. yeah so that that they and i i i called them the lawas in in the book and they some of these women who i first just met online in an online facebook support group i have now met in person and some of them have become my closest friends and it's just it's you know you find you need to find your people whatever Whatever your journey is, it's finding your people. I mean, that's why I think communities like the one that you've built are so important because people who are not experiencing or at the same stage of life or not experiencing the same things, I mean, they can be wonderful spouses or friends or family members, but they don't really get what you're going through and you need to find those people who do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of the reasons that I started the the community part of what I do, the Age Agitators Club. There's something about having those people around you to 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 the people that get that part of you. You know, um, there's something else that I I wanted to dig into a little bit, and that is the that you had a life that looked. That that I think it you know that you would say many people would envy you. It was a comfortable life financially. It was the the husband and two kids, and yet you were looking at your other friends and seeing what you call that glow, right? And you wanted that. And I just wanted to point that out to anybody listening that it's so often we see people's outside, we see what they're putting out in the world and what looks good. And I call it comparanoia. And I, I, I say that because I, I have been there and I still do it. And, you know, I, I look at what other people are doing, what other people have. I, I mean, really all through, especially through my forties, I would look at other people's lives and go, gosh, they, what, why am I struggling so much? What is wrong with me? what you know and now i know after having started this podcast that everybody's struggling even if somebody's it, done something and they've figured out one part like even the people that i've had on and they they they've been through something they've figured something out is generally why i'm having them on to talk about that journey right and then I have friends tell me, oh, your, your, your guests are all so amazing, but I could never. And I'm like, no, 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 that is not the point. You got to hear the point that's, that's that they struggle too, even no matter how impressive somebody looks on paper, you know? Yeah. 
I can so resonate and relate to what you just said, Yvonne. Um, I, in my early, in my 40s and even into my early 50s, I was way into all the comparison. I love that term. What did you say? Comparisonoia or Comparanoia. Yes. paranoia. It's I love often that. what comes up going through social media feeds, you know, yes. when everybody's showing you exactly yes. what they want you to see. Yes, absolutely. And for me at the time, it was about, um, I was comparing myself professionally. Um, I had been an attorney early on and then, you know, left the law for various different reasons. And I just, I, I didn't, build a career that I thought I would build. And so many of my other friends and I, you know, were, were just soaring in their careers, at least they appear to be. And, you know, you see, you see the highlight reels, right? I mean, certainly on social media, that's what you see. And you don't see the other parts of it and the other struggle. I think it's really difficult to just completely wipe that out and never compare yourself again. I'm sure there are people who who can do that. But I think now the difference is that I recognize when I'm doing it and I can kind of step back a certain amount. And yes, you are absolutely right. I believe that we all, we're all just trying, we're all struggling in some way. We may have, you know, certain aspects of our life we may have figured out which is great. And there's always something else, right? And so none of us have it all together. And, um, you know, there might be people looking at me saying, oh, she's, you know, she came out and she's got, now she's got another perfect life and she's got a book coming out and she's a book coach and all those things. Yeah, all of those things are true. And every day I struggle with self-doubt and fear and all the things. And I mean, I coach writers as well as writing my own book. And I mean, I'm constantly sharing with them my own, how how do I cope with managing fear and doubt? And because that's part of the writing process. It's part of being a human being, I think. And anyone who claims to have it all together, I'd be a little suspect of them. Yeah, I I, I always call that the, the hard candy shell when I meet somebody who is not willing to acknowledge the the any part of the struggle you know it's like because you know it's under there you know oh yeah absolutely and I think that you know going back to my story and and the the journey that unfolds in the only way through is out part of the challenge for me was when I was wrestling with do I stay or do I go, you know, that, 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 that do I stay in my life or do I leave it and start a completely new life over was that there were, a, there were people in my life that could not understand how I could possibly leave this very, very nice life that I had because, you know, on, on the outside, it did look pretty darn perfect. And there were a lot of very, very good aspects to it. And so it was when when other when other people would raise doubts 
to me about like, how, how can you do this? And, you know, I'll, I'll leave the details to uh, the book when people read the book, but there were, you know, there were several family members that were initially not very supportive. And then that raised doubts for myself. It's like, well, maybe they are right. Um, Maybe this is just a ridiculous thing to do at you know, my age. So, so having the, having the perfect looking life on the outside, I think made the, made the decision and the process to take the leap even more difficult than it would be under other circumstances. Yeah. I totally see that. Um, You know, I think a lot of what was in that struggle that I, that I interpreted from, from reading the book was that, that idea that, well, is it, isn't it enough? You, don't you have enough? Like what, it, yeah. it's like the battling that idea of, is this selfish? How can I do that? How can I do this to my family? It's that what's wrong with me question. It, and and what is, will I ever be happy? If, if, that was something you struggled with quite a bit was, will the will i ever be happy question like if if i even decide to to embrace this part of me am i still going to be unhappy do i risk that one of my book coaches said to me you know you need to get really clear about what is at stake here and that's a term we use in, when we're writing a narrative is like what's it what's at stake for the protagonist who is me in this memoir and really what was at stake was this safe, comfortable, very nice life that I had built. So that was what was at stake is if I left that not knowing what was going to be next, I was I was losing um, or potentially losing this very nice, safe, comfortable life I had. And yes, that whole idea of is it is it selfish to want more? And I also really wrestled with the whole question of like maybe some people aren't capable of joy. Maybe some people aren't capable of being happy. And there's a couple of scenes where my then husband really, you know, confront, ask that question of me, what, what's it going to take to make you happy? And I didn't have an answer. And I, I really did fear if I wasn't content in the, in this very nice life I had, how 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 did I know what was how I was going to be on the other side? And I think there's a line in the book that goes something like, you know, if I'm going to be unhappy, either way, I might as well stay in the unhappy I know, right? The uh, which is which is a very nice life. And so I think this is where I hope my story will resonate with um, readers, uh, particularly women at midlife, is that it's very scary not knowing what the other side is going to look like. Um, we know we know what our life looks like and, you know, whether the good, bad, and the ugly, but we know what our life is like, that the life that we're living today. But then when we choose something different, whether it's a career change or a relationship change, or in my case, all of the above, and we really don't we don't know what it's going to be like on the other side. It is really, really scary. And um, 
it's that point where you want, you just want a freaking crystal ball, right? Yes. It's you like, do. Can, can, can you just you throw me a bone you, here? <laughs> you want the crystal ball and we don't get that. And I wanted that so badly. I wanted to know I was doing the right thing. I wanted to know that this wasn't a giant mistake. And I mean, at the end of the day, all you really can do is listen to yourself and then do the best thing that you think is the right thing for you. And you shared some questions ahead of time and I was thinking about them. And one of the questions was like, what do I wish I had known um, before I made the leap that I know now? And I think what I wish I had known were two things. One is that it was all going to be okay on the other side. I mean, I didn't have to know what okay looked like, but it's actually way more than okay. But I'm okay. My ex-husband is okay. My kids are okay. I think that we, we think that when we make a change, yes, was it difficult? Was there pain? Was there hurt? Yes, but everyone is okay on the other side. And had I known that, it would have, I think, been easier to make the leap. And then the other thing that I wish I had known was that I was much more capable than I really believed myself to be, that I was capable of starting over at midlife in every sense of the word. I was capable of doing life on my own. I had been with my husband. We started dating when I was 22 and we yeah, were married so at 25. Yeah. I know. I, I mean, at the time I didn't think I was a baby, but now I look at that and I think I was a baby and, you know, I was married at 25 and we had a 30 year marriage. And so my whole adult life, I was I was partnered with this one specific person and um, the idea of just all of the sort of practicalities of doing life on your own, you know, doing my taxes for the first time since I was 21. And I mean, you know, and, and lots more, I mean, the nuts and bolts things, and then just, you know, being a person who isn't a married person, being a single person in the world and learning to do life on your own. It was um it's a big deal. It was, it, when it you've was been, a big deal. When you've been in a relationship for that long where somebody has stepped in and kind of done certain things and and those things were all handled by that person, you you've become reliant on that. And how do you know what you're capable of until you actually have to step in and do it? And I think like 99% of the time, we're going to find out that we are way more capable than we ever realized we could be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I have grown so much in these, in these intervening years. I mean, I think as I was walking over to record this with you, I was trying to do the math, like how many years has this really been? And so I'd say this journey for me began in the, about 10 years ago, which was when the nest was empty. And I decided that I was going to lean into my writing and that's what led to it all. But then the, the big leap when I decided to leave my marriage was in 2016. So 
we're talking seven to almost eight years ago at this point. And I, I've grown more in those eight years than I, I, I can tell you. So here's a question for you from the time when you, um, when you realized when you had the, the aha moment that at that first, um, moment of going, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, the sands yeah, yeah. are starting to shift and, and all that from that point to actually making the decision to to go ahead and and be on your own. What how long was that actual part of the journey? Yeah. So uh, depending on exactly where you put the starting and the ending point there, it was somewhere, um, it was about 18 months. Um, of, 18 months uh, of, like, what? 18 months oh. of, you know, and, and there were, there were, there were some months, particularly in the beginning of that 18 month period where I wrestled a little bit and then I tried to put the genie back in the bottle. I tried to go back to my very nice life. And, and then, you know, one step led to another step. And then I did get to a point of no return where, um, I, I really had to literally, well, not literally, but <laughs> I had to, I had to decide, am I going to leap? Am I going to jump? And so there were those periods where I felt like I was creeping up to that edge of the cliff and peering over. And um, it just, it wasn't fair really to my then husband or to myself to keep being in limbo. Limbo was a mm. very hard place to be. And I needed to go, I needed to either decide that I could make peace with my life and live with this longing and be, have as strong of a marriage as I could possibly have with my husband, or I had to make the decision. And um, so it was about 18 months. And that was the, that period of time was very, very difficult, very yeah. difficult. Yeah. 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 You know, if you're somebody that's grown up as risk averse and and making safe choices, you don't you don't all of a sudden just kind of, you know, turn on a dime and become this other person. Um, and um, I did it. I did my journey the way I had to do my journey. I think that's another lesson I've learned is that there isn't a timetable that is the right timetable for everyone. Um, I've there are many women that are in the support groups that that have kind of um, they've thought about oh I wish I had regretted that they didn't come out sooner or make this decision sooner and I mean that's their story and their journey fantastic I never really felt that way I felt like. I was ready to face this part of who I was when I was ready and not a second before. And mm. I don't regret the life I had before. I had a lovely life and there was a lot of very good in it. And I have a very different life today. And it is also a lovely life. I've been, I've been very fortunate, frankly, in in life and love, even though at times it felt not so fortunate and lucky, but 
in yeah. retrospect, being on the other side, I feel that way. Yeah. Uh, it's such a, I'm so glad you just said that because for anybody who's in the middle of some sort of limbo, uh, I have certainly been through limbo periods of my life or periods where, you know, th there's two different, two different things that, that are going through my mind right now. Um, part of it is like the, the sort of limbo that you're in where you know that if you make a certain choice, it is going to literally blow up your life. That is super yes. scary. And then there's the other kind of limbo where you just know that something is off. And you don't know, you don't even know what's off. And, and that can take, I've been in that kind of limo, limbo too. And that can take a really long time to even figure out um, what's going on, you know? And, and part of it is like giving yourself grace. I have a friend who says grace and giving yourself grace and space, you know, that it's your journey that, that, you know, the le the less you can beat yourself up, if you can possibly manage that, the kinder you can be to yourself through the process. I don't I don't even know how you do that though, right? I think beating ourselves, maybe beating yourself up is just part of it. <laughs> but if anybody's well, doing that right now, I just want you to know <laughs> you're not alone. You know, it's, and this can take a long time, or you know, and then tomorrow you may wake up and you may have an aha moment. And go, sure. Oh. I, yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought up the beating yourself up because I, I, well before this whole revelation about my sexuality, when I thought the biggest issue in my life was figuring out my professional life, I spent a lot of time beating myself up for not making different decisions as I was about my professional career. And one of the healing gifts of this writing journey has been finding compassion for my younger self, finding compassion, looking at her, you know, because when we're writing memoir, we're, we're viewing ourselves as a character. So looking at the younger Suzette as uh, understanding why she made some of the choices that she made. And it wasn't because she was stupid or you know, a bad person or any of those things. It was that, you know, she was doing the best that she could do at the time. And I I spent a lot of years, you know, when I was in that comparison mode and and why didn't I do this and why didn't I do that? And I've really been able to let go of that. And that's mm -hmm. been really, really healing. I um, bet. I bet yeah. it has. Yeah. I wish that for everybody. Truly. Mm. So my goodness, I'm looking at the clock going, wow, how did that yeah. happen? <laughs> what is going on next for you? What are you excited about that's coming up? Well, truth be told, I'm very consumed right now with all the things promoting my book, The Only Way Through is Out. Right, really because exciting. you and I, I'm yes. sorry to interrupt, but you and I here, yeah. we're sitting down and we're talking, it's December 14th, but this episode isn't going to go out until the end of January. So I just want to point that out to anybody listening. So really what's coming up for you is the actual release of this book. Yes, yes. So the, the book is going to be released on February 13th, and I've got 
I'm lining up bookstore events. I've got my my first event. My book launch is two days after the book comes out. So right now I'm very consumed with that. I also am running a business, a book coaching business, and I, I primarily work with uh, memoir writers and particularly LGBTQ plus memoir writers. So I'm still, I'm still working on all of that. And once I'm on the other side of what I hope will be a successful book launch, and I take a lovely vacation because I'm going to need it after all this travel, um, I'm going to get to work on my next book. I have already sketched it out. Tentatively, it's titled After the Leap, because I really want to, this book, The Only Way Through is Out, is about what leads up to the leap and the decision making and then actually making the leap. But the book ends very shortly after I make the leap. So that the book ends, the events of the book end in June of 2017. So here we are almost seven years later, and there's a lot that's happened in those seven years, but it's really about what I've discovered. And one of the things I know I want to explore is this idea that grief and joy can, you can hold both of those at the same time. And when you do make a big leap and a, and a big change, there there is there is both of that because there, there has been a grieving process of leave of the losses that I have had, you know, the life that I had before. And like any, any kind of grief, it's not linear and it pops up occasionally. So I really want to explore those two emotions and holding them together. So that's, that's what's next. Wonder. Wow. What a great idea. I love that idea. And, and the, the idea that we can hold grief and joy at the same time, I think, Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm hoping it'll be a little easier the next time around writing the second book and getting it published and all the things I do, (laughs) but we'll see that we, we don't have that crystal ball, right? So I've learned enough that I know that there will be bumps in the road and ups and downs. And, you know, writing a book is an emotional roller coaster for sure, as is making a big change at midlife and it's worth it. You know, one of my, my takeaways of of my book is that there is a cost to authenticity, whatever that looks like for you. But in my experience, it's worth the cost for sure. I love that. I think that's the perfect place to go out on Suzette. Thank you so much for being here with me today, for sharing the hopefulness that's part of your journey. Uh, that That's what I think is here for, for anybody listening. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much, Yvonne. I appreciate having the opportunity to chat with you. Me too. Well, there you have it. Oh my goodness, the courage that it must have taken for Suzette to do that and then to go deep back into it to write about it. One of the things that she says, well, there's a couple of things that she says that really have stuck with me. Um, Here's a quote. The transition from a seemingly perfect but unfulfilling life to a more authentic one involves grieving the losses, but also experiencing moments of joy. Yeah. I mean, it's been true for me. You know, you have those moments of intense transition in your life and they definitely come with grief for what was lost. 
but there can at the same time be intense moments of joy involved. She also said there is a cost to authenticity, whatever that looks like for you. But in my experience, it's worth the cost for sure. I, I, I have to say, yeah. I mean, and, but it's so hard to go through. We want a crystal ball, right? But we forget how powerful we are. We forget how strong we are. And speaking of that, I mean, the third quote that really stands out for me is she said, the other thing I wish I had known was that I was much more capable than I really believed myself to be, that I was capable of starting over at midlife in every sense of the word. I was capable of doing life on my own. You are more capable than you believe. Am I talking to you or am I talking to myself? <laughs> if you want more information about Suzette Mullen and her coaching services for authors, you can find a link to her website in the show notes. There will also, of course, be a link where you can get a copy of her book, which is coming out hot off the presses any moment now. You can just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and look for episode 171. Thank you so much for coming here, spending this time and listening. Hey, if you've got a hot minute, I have a favor to ask. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would so appreciate it if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and leave a review to help other people find it. Thank you so much. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.